0: So uh, I've got them on the laptop, so I'm just going to quickly get them here. Oh, come on. Okay. The reason I want to talk about the justice of God is very simple. What we believe about God, what God believes is not what will impact your life the greatest. The greatest impact that there will be on your life is what you believe God believes. That's what will impact your life. God can believe that you are a wonderful person, but if you don't believe that God believes it, then whatever God believes will be outside of you. The way wherein God enters a human heart is through the heart believing it. That's how anything enters us. You know, you can, you can uh, read whatever news. If it doesn't touch your belief, it doesn't shape your life. Doesn't matter how true it is. Doesn't matter how real it is. It only enters you through your persuasion of it and where, it, where you actually believe it includes you. What will impact us the greatest when we read a news article is the article that impacts us. If you read about the volcano on Hawaii, I mean, I'm sure you guys see that in the news. You see, it doesn't shape your life, you see. But anyway, there's a volcano there erupting. I think it's about 80 houses already taken, taken away. It's just slowly oozing out of the ground and taking over a lot of pieces of the island there. Of the main island. Um, I mean I can read that news and it will impact me to a certain degree but will never impact me as what I uh, would believe, you know, they're going to take the land without compensation because if I read that it will have an impact on me but not that big impact if I'm not an owner of a farm. The moment I'm an owner then I find that I can see myself completely in that truth. It pertains to me. And as I believe that, it shapes my life. It will shape the very chemicals in your body and how everything works. Your emotions, your feelings, the way you relate to people. Everything is shaped by what you believe. That's why I think one of the greatest things that we need to understand is what justice is. What is just for God? What is the justice of God? And the reason... I want, I want that is, I think it's important for us to understand that is, everything at the end of the day in our lives, in the way we live today in this world, is formed around a law system, a system of what is right, what is wrong. And if we can see that, if we can see the justice of God, the way we will imp- relate to our families, the, our kids, friends, will change. Now, there's two ways, or or two systems of justice, but I want to first read a passage, and and this is what it's all, all about. I'm going to explain Isaiah 53, verse 10, wherein it says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him, and to put him to grief. This talks about Jesus on the cross, and Isaiah 53 talks about the servant of God, which is Jesus, and how he was put upon the cross and how he was suffering there and then Isaiah 53:10 says yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him and it sounds as if it pleased God to inflict pain unto Jesus and we have a way traditionally of what justice is inside what our system of justice is on how our kids was brought up under the old South Africa if if you would um, for for petty crime kind of a thing You went to the police station and they took a a cane and they caned you. They inflicted pain on you. And that would keep you away from what you are doing. Now, they come with more of a, a, a restorative justice system and they don't call it a jail anymore but a correctional service because they want to correct you. They want to... They start to see a little bit of the light. Yet, we can call it whatever we want but when... Um, Henry from, from Breda is found guilty you find the comments in the comments section on News 24 they say justice is served you know then you think this guy yes he did axe his mom and dad and brother or sister to death um, and he is found guilty and we hope he rots in jail because we want him to have pain, because that would be just, for if he has inflicted pain, he should have pain. And that is the justice system that we've been brought up with. Now, with that in mind, (coughs) uh, 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 if you go and look at the translation of Isaiah 53 here, it was actually translated saying, it pleased the Lord to bruise Jesus. Now, you can... Uh, imagine, um, I want to play the video here, but it's just way too graphic, on where Jesus was beaten in the passion of the Christ, uh, with that whip, where pieces of meat was, uh, muscle was ripped out of of him, and you find that the Roman soldiers go into a hysteria, where they start to laugh and find joy in beating him like that. And that's the kind of idea that we get from, it pleased the Lord to bruise him to put him to grief. It pleased the Lord to give him as a sacrifice for the sins of the people because it was as if God is this God He's saying, well, what is right is right and what is wrong is wrong. And if you disobey God and if you do something against God and His moral law, then obviously you have to be punished. Now, when we look at retributive justice, This is what it means. I mean, we get restorative justice and then retributive justice. The retributive justice system is what we basically have in the world. And it focuses on, did you break a law? That's what it focuses on. Did you break a law? What did you do right? What did you do wrong? And should you do something wrong, the idea is that the law was, injustice was done to the law. You're not respecting the law. You're not obeying the law. you, you You don't have any love for the law. And the law is made a person. The law is actually made a God that you serve, which doesn't even exist. You know the law is actually commandments on a piece of paper. There's no person called the law. There's not such a person. You can never find Mr. Law. There is not such a person. It's just nothing. You can obey the law and expect the law to bless you and the only blessing you can have from the law is absolutely nothing because there is not an entity or a, a being Mr. Law that possesses anything so that he can add to your life. But if you obey God or if you believe in God, then God, since he is a person, since he does possess things, since he does have power, he's got the ability to actually give you something and bless you with something, give you life. But law cannot bless you. The only thing that law can do is, law can look at what is right, what is wrong. And when you do right, the law cannot even bless you. The only thing that can happen when you do something right is that you can just continue with your life. Since the law cannot give you anything and you are doing something right, then the law will leave you alone. So you can, t- can continue with your life until you do something wrong. Then the law will intervene and will take away from you what you've got. The law cannot give you anything, the law can only take from you. Cannot add anything to your life, cannot give you anything. Um, The law focuses on infliction of pain when it's disobeyed uh, uh, and the law will give to you or actually let you live your own life if, if you justly deserve it by obeying its commands. There's no mercy in the law. There's so little mercy in the law because one might say, oh, but there is mercy in the law. Let me put it this way. There's so little mercy in the law and it is so... Unexpected. That the moment you get mercy in the law, it overjoys your life. You, you've got so much joy. Wow! He speak up, at my We have preached, and you will see where I'm going with this, but even in grace circles, we've preached the fulfillment of the law as mercy under a law system wherein we are so happy that God is not going to punish us that we will forever love God because He's not going to punish us. But I want to tell you that is not the gospel. It's got nothing to do with the gospel. The gospel is not the message of God was supposed to punish us, but He did not punish us. Because the gospel has got nothing to do and God has got nothing to do with a system of punishment. God doesn't punish God saves from the punishment that a life that is born from works brings. He actually saves you from yourself. He saves you from your own inability to give yourself eternal life. That is what it's all about. And uh, He sees, he, He is a merciful God. But in the case of the law here, whenever we find a little bit mercy from the law we feel, oh my goodness, look how good the law is. We can forever serve the law. Because the law has been merciful. The only reason why we are so happy under the mercy of the law is because mercy is not common under the law. That's why it's such a wonderful big thing. And I think that is why when we preach that Jesus was upon the cross and He took away my punishment and we define it from a law perspective that we are so happy because Jesus died for us because we didn't expect any mercy from God. Because God is so just, He can see all things, He sees all sin, He he knows that you've sinned from the beginning, He knows that there is a great... sin in your life. He sees everything and He will not let any one of those things pass by. So He sees everything so there is no chance that not that even a wrong thought can pass by God. And then we know He's a just God. Justice will take place and justice is defined uh, by a retributive justice system since it was taught that God's whole kingdom functions on a system like that. And that Uh, infinite holy God will, the the only justice that can be served if you disobey an infinite holy God is infinite punishment. And then Jesus comes and He takes that punishment and now from there, we are now so happy to serve this wonderful God. I will tell you, if you really think of it along those lines and you're not indoctrinated, but you think what it is all about, you will find in your heart that it's still very difficult to believe in such a God. And that is the problem that we find today in the postmodern world. We find uh, people that start to think for themselves and they say, what is it with this God that wants to kill someone if you've disobeyed him and that is even so sick to kill his very own son? to satisfy his retributive justice, because it is just that if you've disobeyed, you must be punished. Now, by just saying it like this, one can think, well, Bertie, then then you're not a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ, because this is what the whole gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. No, the gospel of Jesus Christ has never been about that. The gospel of Jesus Christ has been all about God restoring his people. And there's a different justice system. The justice system of God is restorative, which is people-focused. It is not breaking of the law-focused. And we need to understand that. Now, before I get to the restorative justice, I just want to point out one or two things here. The central actors in retributive justice is the state versus the individual. It's the state versus the individual. And we have just taken that system and brought Christianity into it. And now it was people versus God. And it's such an unfair system because God makes people from the dust of the earth. God knows that they are just dust. That they don't have the ability in themselves to even obey a law. Then He brings them to a law. Then they must obey that law. And should they not obey that law, then he's going to kill them. Come on. <laughs> we if, the, and and the thing is that I see, in communicating with people, should you present this, a person that I really uh, had a great influence in my life, when I presented the justice system of the world, which we have merged with the christian with christianity or what christ has done and i said this is what we're actually saying we're saying that we by own power can never obey the law god comes he makes man he's got a divine law he's infinitely holy we are not we are made from the dust of the earth he gives commands unto us and now we cannot keep it and now he wants to justice would be served in him killing killing us not just killing us Keeping us alive forever and burning us in hell. There's something wrong with that. I tell you, there's something wrong and there are many people saying there's something wrong with that and most of the churches doesn't have an answer to that because they've got a scripture and the person that's against Christianity quotes the scripture or the person that starts to think for himself quotes the verse and then he says, look at the logic here and then we just get angry. Jir ha straf. But we don't have an answer. We must have an answer. We must, have a, we must look at the Scripture from a perspective which is not a place where it is the state versus the individual or God versus the individual. And in the case of re, uh, retributive justice, the state or God is also always the victim. It is we have harmed God. We have harmed the state. Isn't it? Think of it like this. Well, God loves you so much. How can you just not love your neighbour? Look how you're harming God, because the Almighty God, He loves you. He, and look in the Old Testament, and we've seen it so many times. He's given them the garden. my maat, ordentlike tien, nee. Nimelig kapse nie, proper rain everything growing he's just got and look at look at man he doesn't even have a little bit of gratitude only have one law look how man has harmed the loving god and so god is the victim and man must pay because he has injured the almighty you know if if we Just in a normal, in the normal world, if you, if somebody through a wrong thing he does, throws you off course, it shows you how weak you are, isn't it? Imagine I'm now, I go now to the United States and I'm going to preach there, they get me from the airport there and somebody doesn't drive the right way there and I'm with him in the car and I start swearing and cussing at this guy that he's not driving right. It doesn't, doesn't matter if he really was messing up. It would just say, man, Bertie's weak. You know, His gospel's not really working. So if Adam, through disobedience of one law, could change God's person, then who's the weak one? It must be God. The thing is, God never changed. God was always loving. The same God that gave the garden is the one that is continuing in His love. Now, let's look at a different justice system, uh, the restorative justice of God. The justice where, uh, in this justice we find that this justice is people focused um, and sees who was caused harm and then wants to restore that person. There's a justice system that would say Well in the case of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve they were deceived, Eve was deceived, Adam went into it even if it was knowing what he was doing, he was into that and here we find destruction coming to them and we find that through their destruction even the earth is being destroyed. And that is what God has said. He said, what will take place is if you eat of this tree, then you will die. And then he said to Adam, because you've got dominion over the earth, therefore even this earth will now bring forth thorns and thistles and decay. We read in Romans 8 that even this physical planet is now going backwards because of what Adam has done. And now we find in Romans 8 as well that God is coming through Jesus Christ. And what is He going to do? He's going to give eternal life to Adam, the one that's dying. And He says, once you are glorified, even creation is now waiting. To be co-glorified with your glory and we find the justice of God is something completely different. It's a restorative justice where He fixes everything. It is focused on making things right. Rewards are not based on just what is justly deserved, but rewards is based on what you need. That means, if you don't have righteousness, you're not going to be beaten because you don't have righteousness. If you don't have righteousness, it will be offered to you. Now, we're going to look at why it's like this, but it's based on mercy and love and not based on punishment It's not separate from mercy. It, it's, it transforms people. Uh, the central actors in this whole thing is not uh, 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 the state or God versus the people, but the central thing of this is community. The whole family of God, including us, where the justice of God includes himself, where he feels, if I wanted a family and my family is going astray, it is not just towards me as well. I also want healing from this. I want my family back. I want my original plan to work. That's what I want. Now, the question is, how do we define justice? Now, I've given a, um, a Bertie Britt's definition here, which maybe someone will say, where do you get that? Maybe in a hundred years from now, it will be in some dictionary somewhere. Who knows? <clears throat> if we want to define justice... We cannot define it outside of purpose. And let me explain that. I'm flying to the US on Tuesday. Now, if we get in the car, and now Andris is going to drop me off at the airport because the flight leaves at 11, so I'm not going to let Lena drive at night alone back, so Andris is taking me. So if Andris gets in the buggy and, and he picks me up, and he's heading for Mariasburg, but I'm flying... I mean, I don't know if you know, Mariasburg is north of Malmesbury. It's the wrong direction. Okay, if he's heading to Mariasburg and I need to go to the airport, that's not just. Although, it's not wrong to, if, even if it keeps within the speed limits, it is righteousness and what is just and what is good is defined by the purpose. The purpose is, for him picking me up, is to get me to the airport. So, in that purpose, we find our definition of what would be just in that case. So, we will have to go and look at what is God's purpose with man in order to define what justice would be, what righteousness would be, what truth would be. You cannot have truth outside of fully understanding God's purpose. I remember when I was in in the house, my, my dad had a piece of metal there and it was hanging and it was almost like in uh, cotton you know just a piece of steel I said "Tim, dad what's so and whenever he would use that thing it would so carefully use the thing I said this is just a piece of steel what is this he says no that is a straight edge I said what does that mean he says no it is a piece of steel that's one meter long that is perfectly flat and there with you can measure and see if anything is really flat. He said this thing is true. This is true. The only reason why it is true is because there is something that is really straight and this thing conforms to that. It is exactly the same. So it is true to the original. So you will first have to have something before you can even define truth, or if something is true or not. So we will have to have the the foundation from where we're going to measure everything. And that foundation would be, who is God and why are we here? If we know who God is and why we are here, then we can define if something is righteous, if it is true, or if it is just. If we think that the purpose why God has got us here is to... uh, to be godners If you think that the purpose why God has got us here is to serve Him, then we can easily define truth and righteousness and judgment in, in connection with how we're serving Him. But if that is not the purpose, then we've got a completely wrong definition of all these things. Now, I want to look at John 5.30. It says, this is Jesus' words, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is just. So we're talking about the justice of God. It says, my judgment is just. Why is it just? Because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father who has sent me. So, justice is connected to the will of the Father. There, Jesus said as well. He clearly says, my, because I am not seeking my own will, and I'm seeking the will of the Father, therefore my judgment is according to His will, and that is true. That's a correct judgment. So, um, we will need to define what the will of God is, and we're quickly going to do it. Ephesians 1 verse 4. According as He has chosen us in Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before Him, in His love for us, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved okay so if we want to know what the will of god is we need to go and look at what the will of god was before the world was made what was god's plan with us before the world was made because if we can look at the original then we can see what is right what is true, what is in line with that, what is just and so forth. And we see here, he says that before the world was made, God has chosen. It says here, He has chosen by His own choice. uh, Unilateral, meaning from His side towards us, not our choice. It was His choice to make us for this purpose. So he says, He has made us that we should be holy, without blame, before Him, in Love, that love is His love for us. He has, and now explains what it is, He has predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto Himself. So what does that mean? And and let us think about this. God has said from before the world began that I want people to be holy, uh, 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 holy, without blame, before Him in love. And then he defines that colon explaining, having predestined us unto the adoption of children. The Jewish adoption of children there means that God would make physical human beings that are immortal sharing in his quality of life by his doing. So God, from before time, he decided, I want a family. I want a people that can fully share in my heart. Isn't it? That's what he wanted. It's like a family when, they, when, when a husband and a wife get married. Elian and I, we got married. But in the back of our minds, we had a plan. We knew it's going to come. We're going to have children. We get together because we love one another. And from there, we are planning a family. There is, there is we're going to have kids. And our whole justice system would be measured according to that should it be that we cannot have children, we would say that's not right. But you will find that there's no law in the South African government that says it is not right if a lady and a guy gets married and they cannot have children. There's no law saying that's a sin or that's wrong. But because of the purpose we know that that is not right. And we will feel in our hearts, that is not right. Why can't she fall pregnant? Why this? Why that? And all of a sudden, our lives will be in turmoil because we feel an injustice is being done towards us and we are victims and this needs to be set right. Because it's not in line with our plan from the beginning. So God had a plan from the beginning with humanity. The plan from the beginning was God is a spiritual, He's a spirit or spiritual, He's a spirit God. And He wants people to have a place where they can have rulership over, where they can feel what does it feel like to have life in them and find that that life has got an effect on other things. That's why He gave us a world. That's why He gave all these things to us. Put man on there. This man would live because of God and not his own doing since God is the only self-existing one. He would offer them life He would live in them and give them emotions, feelings, passions, wherein they can experience what God is experiencing. And that they would happily live like that forever as a God family, all finding its origin in the love and goodness of God. That was God's vision from the beginning. That is told from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, to 3, where it talks about a covenant language, right through Abraham, Israel, and then all the nations that shall be blessed. The whole thing is God is a family God. He even comes, defines Himself as a Father. Jesus is called the Son. We find the Spirit as the Spirit of life, giving life to people. That is what it's all. It's family. So, we are going to define justice... In the light of God is a family orientated God that was not in the need of servants but in people that he can love, He wanted these beings not to be there for a short time, but forever. Titus one verse one says, Paul a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. So what is God's foundation from where we will find and define what's just? That is eternal life for us. <coughs> My definition of justice would then be, that which can afford the upholding of the authentic cause. In other words, anything that would be unjust would be something that would break or harm the original plan. And we know that living by works righteousness harms the original plan. So it is unjust and unrighteous to live by your own works. Because we know it cannot be that way and we've seen it, and we can have a whole message on that. But what would be just would be, this is my definition, that which can afford the upholding of the authentic cause. So justice is defined in what will bring, what will keep you having eternal life, what will bless you with holiness. God's plan was that He would give it to you for free. Then another system came in where Satan convinced Uh, Adam and Eve said no you don't have to have this for free you have it by your own power you don't need God you just need to know what's right and wrong and you can live by your own intellect and you can have eternal life by yourself which was not which was a lie Adam and Eve was made from the dust of the earth they couldn't and here God's cause was his original cause was I will be the source of their life They will share in the fullness of my life the kingdom which is a kingdom where God rules with life in us was taken from these people. God didn't take it from them. They started their own in a lie. And then God looked at what was going on there and he saw them dying and he didn't have a a justice that says now I need to inflict pain on them. He warned them from the beginning saying, that system will inflict death and pain on you. If you eat of this tree, then, in the Hebrew it actually says, of this death you will die. It's not that God will inflict pain. And now God looks at what's going on. He looks at His original plan and He says, what's going on here is not just. It is not true. Truth is not in them anymore. They're not lining up with what I've dreamt for them. Therefore, let me do something to bring justice to the earth. <clears throat> when we look at the justification of God, we have to face Romans 4 verse 5, which says, The Abraham, we have to believe in the God that justifies the ungodly. Okay? Because in God's system of judgment, which is not a, you break the law, then I'll punish you system, but a system that says, I want you to have eternal life, and if you're not having it, then I'm going to give it to you. I hope you hear what I'm saying. God's system says, I want to give you eternal life. I want to bless you with peace from me, obviously in the in, in the relationship of a free will agent. I want to give you eternal life. If you've done something that you're not having it, then I will still justify you with it. Then I will bring you by my effort to that eternal life. That's God's just justice system. That's why Abraham, when he was... Uh, we can call him a pagan. He was living in Mesopotamia. He, he was from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was worshiping all kinds of gods. He was building shrines. He, 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 be, he believed in many gods. God comes to Abram and Sarah. And Ab- Sarah was barren. she couldn't have children. Abraham was already old, thinking there is no hope for me. They believe in a, a, a monogamy, meaning they only have you were only under the law there to allow to have one wife. So here he sees no future for himself. How's he ever going to have children of his own? There's no way, no future. I've got no ability to bless myself with a family. I cannot have it. God comes to such a person and says to him, in you all the nations shall be blessed. Look at the stars. You see how many stars there are? As many stars as what there is, that's how many your children would be, and something greater. They will not just be as many, because the many really is connected towards the sand in a later stage, but he says, as they are shining like the stars, so they will shine, referring already to eternal life that he is talking about, which we find in Daniel 7 and Daniel 12. So here we see God coming, and he says, it is not just that these people are having no future, that they're having no children, they feel hopeless, and that they are dying. And the Abraham story was written so that we today can see how God dealt with him and what God's justice would be. And what did Abraham do when he saw the justice of God? He just believed God. Then Paul comes and he says, if we want to see the justice of God today, we have to conclude that those who believe that God can justify the ungodly, their faith is counted for righteousness. I hope you can see how the system works. According to original intent, righteousness is measured. If Abraham did everything right, he would not have been counted righteous because the original intent was not that Abraham would have life by his works. The harder he worked and the most holy he loved, the more unrighteous he would have been according to the original plan. Although he would increase in righteousness according to the law plan, he would increase in unrighteousness according to the original plan. Simple words, the closer you get to Mariasburg, the further you are from where you need to be. doesn't matter how safe you drive. You're sinning. So what he's saying is, in the justice system of God, which is unilateral, meaning it just comes from one towards the other. It doesn't include your work. It is decided by God without you deciding for Him. He gave His Son before you were born. He, from His side, the, like He created the earth. I mean, who asked Him, whose permission did He ask to make the earth? No one. Nothing. It's from one guy towards us. And the only thing we can do inside God's justice system which would be equitable, good and right is to simply believe Him all you can do you can just believe him and that is Romans 5 Abraham believed God the Bible says and it was accounted to him for righteousness saying you are as you ought to be in in the presence of a God who is exercising judgment and justice towards a man that cannot have children for to God it was just that this man that is that is in the eyes of everybody, and nothing idle worshipping God, it's not just that he's idle worshipping, it's not just that he's bound like this, it's not just that he doesn't have children, I will make of him a great nation, and in him all the nations of the earth would be blessed, and even the Messiah will come from him, and God says, that's just. And it brings forth his justice, and his judgment in the earth. <laughs> well, as you of my preak is all right. Let's look, so we see here, Abraham and Sarah had no children, they were normal people with no future, God made them a promise, they believed God, Abraham was seen as righteous, and justice was served. Let's look at righteousness, God's righteousness or God's justice in the New Testament. Paul says in Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek also. For in this gospel is the righteousness or the justice of God revealed from faith to faith, as it's written, the just shall live by faith. So what he's saying is, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus because the way Jesus dealt with man in their sin is the righteousness and the justice of God. Revealed to us. Romans 3.20 Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in His sight. If you read Romans 3 in its context, it actually says, By the works of the law shall no man receive the resurrection from the dead. And God says, It's unjust that my people are dying. That's why He said, when the people were bound in Egypt, He said, Tell Pharaoh... Let my people go. Then the lamb was slain, they were led out of Egypt, and justice was served. How was the justice served? In setting the person free from the bondage. Why does God say it is not right that my people are in slavery? Because his dream has been for them to be free. So he says it's unjust that they are there. If I lose my temper, this is how I pray these days. If I lose my temper, or if I get upset with somebody, or I have fear, I go and I say, God, what's happening to me is not just. It's an injustice. It is not just. and I make myself fully available for your rule, and I stand under your law of life, wherein you will justify me, and I'm not trying to change this, but I am standing available for your justice to be served in my life. Amen. <laughs> Ons God is, soos die sal sê, gevaarlik, man. <laughs> <laughs> Romans 3.20 Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge or the experiential knowledge of sin. The law cannot bring justice. By the law we cannot have what God wants for us. But now the righteous judgment, I put my own words in there, or it just is here, righteousness, or the equitable deed of God, without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ, in the the Greek it actually says, that this righteousness of God is by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Unto all and upon all that believe, there is no difference. So what is he saying? Man fell into sin, and now God has got to be a righteous God. Okay? Now we're going to see, how's God going to deal with people that has disobeyed Him, that did not listen, fell into a system of law, wherein they have to have life by their own works, and we find in Jesus, the righteousness of God now revealed. And we found that His righteousness was revealed apart from the law. Meaning, He did not come inside the retributive justice system, but He came inside His own logic, inside His own system. And He revealed the righteous, equitable holiness of God. And how was it revealed? In Jesus saving us, from the bondage wherein we were under works righteousness, where we have life by our works. He saved us from that and put a man in the Godhead and now rules with that one's life over everyone that wants this. And He rules over their lives and He brings His justice, He brings His rulership and He gives unto them love, peace, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, temperance, faithfulness, a love for people. He brings inside them the fruit of the Holy Spirit, signs, wonders and miracles pointing to what shall be, even grants them in the human body immortality and He by His justice shall manifest it in us. And even if we physically die, He says that is an injustice that was done to my people for I've never planned that they would die like that and I will therefore raise them up. And that's why Jesus was raised from the dead. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified, in other words, justified means having God's justice, if we want to use the word enforced on us being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time that He might be just and the justifier of those that believe. So what he's saying is, those that have fallen in sin, those that have disobeyed God, all that you can do is to hear what God is saying. God is saying, it is okay. I will justify you with a new life. Okay, Lord, what must I do? Shut up. You've missed it. Again. But since I'm a just God, I want to tell you, you have wandered from the past. You are in a very difficult situation. But I am the Lord God, and I have not created you for that. I've got another life for you. Okay, God, what must I... Just believe that I can take you there. I can even raise you from the dead, and I have proved it 2,000 years ago, and in that resurrection, I've conquered all your sin, I've conquered all your death, and I have brought forth the justification how you will look in the end. I brought it forth in the middle of time so that you can look at that and know what you can expect. Believe me. Got nothing to do with punishment whatsoever. Yes, but Jesus was punished. That's why God can do lies. <clears throat> I'm gonna end off with quickly looking at the breastplate of judgment. Now I've preached this before. The Bible says that the, the high priest had to come with a breastplate of judgment before God, and that breastplate had 12 stones in it. And the names of Israel, of the different houses of Israel, was written, the 12 tribes was written into that. It was very precious stones, very beautiful stones, laid in gold, and was put on the, it was hanging around the neck of the high priest. And then inside this was also put the Urim and the Thummim, which were two stones, uh, a black and a white stone. And they would then, the one stone would mean yes, and the other stone would mean no. And if they ever wanted direction from God, Uh, a guy that's very high up like the king could then come to the priest and ask for guidance should we go into war with this nation or should we not go into war then they would pray take the, um, put his hand into the bag that the Urim and Thummim was in and then whichever one he took out would then be the yes or the no that's how they heard the voice of God with that Urim and the Thummim now that was placed inside that breastplate which was called the breastplate of of judgment. The very justice of God would be revealed through that. And what was that justice? It says, you shall put this around your neck as a memorial. A memorial is to have a remembrance. That a memorial, how could it be a memorial? A memorial to what? To the original plan of God. Now we've taken 12 tribes and we've just seen just Jerusalem and Israel. That's rubbish. That is just a type in a shadow of all of us. That's all it is. God's original plan was divine people, beautiful people, different colors. When His glory shines on it, it fills everything with the colors that shines from this beautiful breastplate. It's laid in gold, which talks about godliness or divinity. So what he's saying is, God's plan from the beginning was that man would shine in godliness by the doing of God. And now they needed advice on, God, what is your judgment about us? The judgment of God on on this whole thing would be God's decision. A judgment is also your decision, your verdict. And this was called the Urim and the Thummim. The Urim and the Thummim Urim and Thummim simply means Alpha and Omega. The literal Hebrew words means lights of innocence. Innocences actually. Lights of innocence. And Urim starts with an A. Thummim starts with a Tav, the last letter of Hebrew alphabet, talking about the Aleph and the Tav, the Alpha and the Omega. So what he's saying is, my judgment about you is always divinity in beauty or beauty inside divinity on account of jesus which is the beginning and the end that is it that is the judgment of god is just carry that as a memorial i think that memorial wasn't for god to remember it it was for man to remember that this is the only way god sees and that is what is planned in the beginning and that is if you want to want guidance how to get there the only way we're going to get there is through Christ and that is how judgment is served now i end off by going to the verse that i started with isaiah 53 it says isaiah 53 yet the lord uh, yet it pleased the lord jehovah to bruise him He has put him to grief. Now, if we read from verse 4, it says, But he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Verse 3 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him as stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Okay, now, It summarizes. Take it all together. Jesus hanging upon the cross. If you come with a retributive justice system, you will come and say, the Father is punishing Jesus for my sin. Look how He's beaten. I should have been beaten. Now He's beaten. And we would esteem Him stricken, smitten of God. Now it says here, surely He bore our griefs. In other words and He carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him. Our conclusion was, it's God beating Him for my disobedience. No, it's not what it means. What it means is that He took the end of a life by works onto Him. That is where man was heading by his own works. Death and destruction, a a cursed life. He took that on Him, and He was hanging upon the cross, which was actually the end of the life I am in. It's got nothing to do with God punishing Him. It was, had everything to do with Jesus entering into the end of the way we are on. Clothing Himself with it, and taking all the curses and all of death on Him, ready to conquer it in the resurrection. Okay? Now, with that in mind... It says we esteemed him smitten of God, but he was not smitten of God, he was carrying our disease. Verse 10, I want to read it from the Septuagint. First, the Bible, uh, the Apostolic Bible polyglot. This is what it says. King James says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. The Bible polyglot, the Greek says, Greek Old Testament and the Lord willed to cleanse him of his beating. A little bit of a difference. Let me read it again. King James, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Septuagint, It pleased the Lord to purge him from his beating. Big difference. The one says, God was happy to hit him. The other one says, No, God was happy to heal him from how he was hit. There's a big difference. Jy het pampoinkies, die Heere kom, hy word mens, so dat hy kan aansteek. Ok? Nou het hy ook pampoinkies. Nou hang hy in die kruis. Nou hang hy met hy pampoinkies daar. Sê ons, ah, oh, kyk hoe die Heere om pampoinkies gegeen. Nou, nou, dit is my pampoinkies. Niks te doen met wat God omgegeet. You understand what I'm saying? And now as he dies and conquers it, he conquered physical death, plus he showed that God's justice is greater than man's injustice. Who crucified Jesus? It was the Jews and the Romans. The Jew and the Roman talks about, Jew and Gentile talks about the whole world. The Jews said, you're a sinner. The Gentile said, you're a sinner and bad. The very people, the very people, the hands that he has made, took Him and nailed Him to a cross. The mouths that He has made spat on Him. And what did He do? Didn't change His justice. Didn't fall into the low way of thinking of man. And He continued to show justice, which was, forgive them, Father. Set them free. My justice is a justice unto freedom, not a justice unto destruction the only destruction that there will be for man and there will be people that will be destroyed are those who are refusing the justice of God and they will have the justice of their own works for there is no life in your own ability. That is how it is. So I want to say to you, whenever you hear God is a just God, you can know that you've got a future. Whenever you hear God is a just God, your heart must sink into I can trust Him. What we have done when we've heard God is a just God, our hearts have not trusted, but our hearts feared because now we must work because we cannot trust this God because a little mistake destroys our lives. In the meantime, if you hear God is a just God, you can rest because He will, His justice, is defined by its original purpose and justice is that if God is a just God walking justly he will have to have a life that can uphold the original purpose which is life for us all let us pray father thank you so much for an absolute must